Um, Rick, thanks for joining us on both sides of the fence. Where this is a bit of a different podcast for us live in front of the Matter Real Estate offices. Um, mate, let's start right back from the beginning. Flipping burgers, KFC. Yeah, it was worse than that. It was actually picking out the piece of the chicken's anatomy that no one wants to eat called <laughs> oh. the asshole. So oh. I wish it was flipping burgers. But um, no, I um, I I guess have come back come from a family that. Uh, my, my parents back home from Portugal were, were peasants, were peasant, peasant blood. Thank God we're not in India, otherwise we would definitely be in a very low, low, low class. Um, but they immigrated to Australia, gave us some opportunities. Mum and dad were just workaholics and they've, I guess, passed that on to my sister and I. Um, which is really interesting because we are in a career that we can make a stupid amount of money and there's a lot of educated people in this room today. I'm not one of those. And I don't know what I could do today to go out there to make the sort of money that we want to make, um, depending on your, your balance and, and your situation, without having a full-on education, so to speak. So, yep. yeah, started with chickens and then worked in restaurants and uh, drove cabs and did an apprenticeship in mechanics and, you know, had coleslaw thrown all over me and all that sort of stuff. And um, they're good things. They're good things because you're dealing with people. So uh, I think what I found um, throughout my career is I, I always tend to gravitate with people that have had some um, uh, life experiences, you know, who know how to um, be a little bit streetwise and some of you may, may relate to that. Mm. Coming from Portugal to Australia, what was that transition like for the family and what character did that build along the way? Yeah, I, I don't remember much of it. I was only seven. So I remember my dad came out two years prior to, uh, I mean, the, the way it was done back then was you, you got somebody to go out to a country and then they'd bring in everybody else, you know, two years later type thing. So dad came out and uh, sent for mum two years later and how they, they did things. So I was seven when I arrived, started a new school. And uh, I, I, by what I remember, it was all very exciting, but a little bit daunting at the end of the day of uh, back then being of ethnic minority, um, you know, there was a lot of things that used to uh, occur. Uh, it was actually really interesting when I started working in the Eastern suburbs um, and people were talking about, um, they'd make comments about, oh, you know, you're working with the, with, with the Jews and the Jewish clients and, and the gays and I'm going, uh, right, yeah, okay. Um, so uh, what's a gay person? I mean, my, I didn't realise one of my best friends was gay at the time and I'd always seen kissing his other friend, but that's what we did as wogs, right? You kiss your mum and dad and blah, blah, blah. So I was very naive to a lot of things. Um, and I think that was a good upbringing where being brought up in the suburbs, you're uh, living and working with a diversity of personalities, so to speak. Yeah, it wasn't yep. just one stereotype. Um, yeah. I think that's all gone now. Hmm. Uh, I think we're all assimilated. But, um, yeah, I don't actually remember a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to understand what happens in, in your mind that shifts you from, you know, obviously being at a level where you, you're just at KFC. Well, not just at KFC, but you're at KFC. And then you shift to being the number one agent in the country. For, okay, and we've got 12 minutes, right? Okay, yeah. good. Um, <laughs> Uh, all right. So I was working. I got married very young. Um, I'm on my third marriage. So if there's anyone that can give me a run for my money, put your hand up now. Um, so I'm a slow learner in many cases, but uh, it's like going for a listing. You, you, you try, you try, you don't get it, you get it. And then finally it works out, so to speak. So do not ask me for marital advice. Um, I guess 
how I see it is I was in a situation where I needed to make money, bless you. Um, I needed to make money and put food on the table. I'd come from an environment where if you weren't, back then I was earning as an apprenticeship mechanic $72 a week and you could have bought a property for 75000 and been on 17.5%. I think that was my first mortgage uh, as I recall. Um, so my environment was very much a case of being a labourer, working on an hourly rate. Uh, my father, I, I always remember, and I remember having to do this at a, one of the Ingham's factories where I'd had to beg to do some overtime. Um, and so I'd had to beg a supervisor to allow me to work on the weekend so I can earn time and a half to feed my, my wife at the time. And I always thought to myself, I don't, I don't ever want to be in that situation. Um, yeah, so it is, so when I hear people going, shit, I work, excuse me, oh, you're going to edit some of this stuff, right? Okay, okay. all right. Um, so when I hear people going, oh, you know, we worked hard and we worked so hard and this, that and the other. I mean, my best friend's a surf instructor and he works $25. He earns $25 an hour at the moment. And you think being a surf instructor is glamorous. You're at the beach. The eye candy is amazing. <laughs> um, you're catching all these waves. You're not. You're stuck in a wetsuit for six, seven, eight hours a day in cold water, pushing people onto waves. Um, and you earn $25 an hour. We can all go out there and pick up a listing today, tomorrow, or two or three, depending on where you are in your career, and earn thousands of dollars. So I... Having worked manually and physically for a small amount, I, I think I made a mental decision that I wanted to succeed and be my own boss. Um, there's, it was a little bit like when my dad said to me, I, I remember buying a car, HK Holden, and I was 14, uh, hang on, I changed my license three years. Yes, I was 14. And I bought this car from the Trading Post. We used to have this magazine called the Trading Post for $450. Parked it out the front of our, our house. I'd never learned how to drive, but I'd seen it on TV. So I thought I can, I can drive a manual car. Learned the hard way that I couldn't. I was so scared the first time I drove it that I left it outside my house or my mum's home for two weeks. My dad was about to call the police and say someone's dumped a car. I said, no, don't do that. It's my car. You can't drive your car. Why? I haven't got a license. Okay, I can fix that. Got on a bus, went to Beverly Hills, got dressed up, bought a cigar, bodged my uh, birth certificate, I got my license, done, I could drive my car. I remember when I was working at Kentucky Fried Chicken and I wanted to become a manager, I was a cook at the time, and they go, no, you can't apply for a manager because you've got to be married, they want married men. I've gone, cool, okay, we can fix that. Went out to the Cassie Club, I met someone, probably a little bit awkward for my first wife when I said to her when I first met her that I'm going to marry her, but that's how I was driven, rightfully or wrongfully, um, that's how I was driven, it was like, I want to do this, what am I going to do to do it rather than being emotional about it? I've had a lot of good luck, I must say, uh, along the way. Um, going from the west to the east, it, is, it has been a different culture when I started there. But I think by being someone who's uh, – I keep it really simple – People want to deal with good people. People want to deal with nice people. That's how I read it. So I think if you can come across as being someone who is there genuinely to help, and if you can't come across as being someone who's genuinely there to help, then go do some acting lessons, learn body language and pretend. Learn to pretend well. You've got to be, I've said this a couple of times um, to a few people, I think it's really important to be a bit of a chameleon, meaning not in a deceitful way but where you can connect with your 
uh, clients as quickly as possible. Um, so if you've got uh, something that you're concerned about, deal with it. If it's your speech, if it's your language, if it's not understanding product, get some help at the end of the day. Uh, I know I've got off the topic there a little bit, but um, so I, I guess to answer your question, when you work on a dollar rate, I don't think there's a big future with being a salary person. So I've wanted to become a business person. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, how long have you been number one in Rain and Horn? Um, I've been fortunate enough to have had some uh, number one uh, opportunities for about 15 years now. Yeah. Um, we are very, very lucky in some ways that a lot of our properties are, are higher per uh, dollar, so we earn some, we can earn some big commissions. Uh, we're exchanging uh, one, two, three today. We're exchanging one for six hundred and twelve thousand. We're making twelve thousand dollars out of it, and then we're exchanging another one for ten point eight million, and we'll make one hundred sixty thousand dollars out of it. So wow. I think you, you've got to be able to work in all those markets. You know, I get a lot of people coming into the industry where they go, oh, I just want to sell the top end. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing was when I started 32 years ago, I wasn't allowed to sell the top end. It was like, you get the shitty, uh, sorry, you get the properties with potential um, rather than the, the, the good glorified stuff, mm. the good stuff. Now you can be a 20, 21, 22 year old, well presented, well mannered, likable, be reasonably good on tech and you can sell the big stuff. Yeah. The world has changed and, and I find that very exciting where I now, people say to me, what keeps you going? A lot of my staff keep me going. Their drive um, and their enthusiasm keeps me going. Yeah. So 32 years in the industry, 15 years at the top, that's an insane level of consistency. How do you do that? Yes, you get divorced twice. <laughs> you marry for the third time. Um, no, look, just joking. In some ways, I guess you can have tunnel vision too much sometimes. Mm. And I'm learning that as I'm at an age where my body clock is on the second half of our life, of our, of our mm. ride. So I was very tunnel vision. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Um, and it wasn't about being number one. It was to be really upfront with you. It was about making a shit ton of money as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, that's the honest truth. Uh, whereas now in my career, the money is important, but um, growing my team's important, growing my people, trying to spend <coughs> some time with my um, new family. I've got a three and a half year old. Uh, so I've got a 31, a 29 and a three and a half year old. So talk about not learning um, by your mistakes. Um, just joking. We, we love him dearly. Um, so I, I think that put yourself in an opportunity. You've got to find out what you want to achieve. I, I hate it when people say, what's your why? But you've got to find something that drives you at the end of the day. Um, I used to have a, a, a bit of a mantra that I didn't want to be in a position where someone was going to pat me on the back. I wanted to be in a position where I was a lot more independent and if I achieved a goal, whether it was a listing or a sale or something positive, I would reward myself. And uh, that worked for me for a long time. Yep. But I would reward myself back then. I, I used to love my, my red wine and my bourbon. Um, unfortunately, every time I'd make a sale, I'd enjoy my red wine and bourbon. Um, and fortunately or unfortunately, we're making a shitload of sales. So that wasn't a great result at the end of the day. Um, so I no longer drink and I found out other purposes. But you, you've got to work out what drives you at the end of the day. There are people in your business and in your industry that will help you, but 
you've got to be the one in front of the game as to why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go out at seven o'clock in the morning and take a client for a walk and talk to them? Why do you want to give up your Saturdays and your Sundays? I mean, when I started, it's seven days a week. Yeah. You know, it, it's not four and a half days a week. I'm now working part time. Um, my first appointment's about 8.30. I do kitty pick up at 4.30, drop him off to my wife and then resume again between 6 and 7.30. So I don't do the seven days, I do six days. So I kind of figure I'm working part-time now, but you need that. And you need that now in this market where you can't go, oh, the market's shit. Um, You are editing this, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, The market's not great. I'm just going to have a holiday or I'm going to switch off because things are going to get better. Can I tell you, this is, for for some of you that have been in the industry just for a year or two or three, this is probably a gift. This is probably the best opportunity you're going to get in your career to find listings. You know, people talk about expired listings. Six months ago, 12 months ago, you can't get an expired listing. Everything was selling. So unless you had a profile, you weren't going to get the foot in the door to those things. Nowadays on markets generally, I don't don't know in your areas, but generally things are taking longer to sell. Um, There are a lot of listing opportunities and often if you're the second agent, the second cab off the rank, the first agent's already done a lot of the hard work for you in the educating process. Um, Got to pull me up when I start deviating from questions. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I've got a... um a question for you with all the time and experience you've had, what would you say is now your recipe for success as an agent? If I was to start today or just what I do? Both, both sides. Okay. All right. So what do I do now is my recipe. My recipe is from the beginning and now um, you've got to be a lister. The selling process you can learn. There's tools, there's there's processes you've got to be able to list so i've always had the attitude of i'll list whatever i possibly can um years ago we used to have um private sales now that hasn't really kicked in in our area in the last few years um but i would go out to someone who was advertising their private sale and i'd I'd say look can i help you write your ad you know can i bring some people through you do it in in, (coughs) an indirect way so i think i'm always more times than not it's what can I give to get back? So I have a, a bit more of an attitude of um, my commission may be more superannuation, and may, meaning that the commission may not be ready now. It may be something that I'm working on for six months, 12 months, two years, five years, rather than am I just prospecting to find the red hot diamonds right now? So I think you've got to have a business model where you're going for the hot ones because you, you've got to list this stuff and you've got to pay your bills and you've got to get on and then you've got to find those clients that you're going to give a bit of love to and support and help for nothing. So put in to get back later. So what I did before and what I'm doing now, listing's always been a big part. I'll take on overpriced listings. To me, it's all about motivation um, when I'm trying to list something and a lot of the time people aren't going to tell you their motivation. How I run my business at the moment is... Um, How do you get around that when yeah. people don't tell you their motivation? Yeah. Um, we went to a property yesterday in Vaucluse with one of my, uh, one of my colleagues. Uh, the gentleman's 95 and he's never going to move. His daughters are there saying he d- that we're just doing a price check. You know, oh, great. He's 95, price check. He might have a day. He might have another five years. Um, by the end of it, we were up to the stage of 
we're sending them a proposal, we've educated them on what the market may do next year and it may be in their best interest to create some urgency and put it on sooner rather than later with a longer settlement period. Um, I tend to be, when I do my appraisals, um, a, a lot of people say to me, geez, you go in and you fluff around a lot. I try and connect with people, um, whether, whether it's you're going into a house and you're seeing some particular artwork uh, I mean, the house I went into yesterday, they had two pictures of horses. So I, I asked them about the pictures. Do they ride horses? Do they breed horses? I like horses. So I thought if I can get one of them to be involved in horses, I'm, I'm there. Um, I did another appraisal on a, a, a unit with potential in Biriga Road. Young lady um, who's getting married, uh, sorry, who's having a, ba a baby in four months time started talking about kids. Where do you live? Oh, Kyle Bay. Oh, Kyle Bay. My sister lived at Kyle Bay. Connect, 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 connect. You've got to get them to like you. You've got to get them to trust you at the end of the day. So my business model is I have a someone who does buyer work and someone who does my admin work. And then all my listings I bring in on an associate, um, meaning I conjunct with pretty much all my team. Um, they do a lot of the heavy lifting and we share a lot of the workload. Um, some questions from the guys, the, the sales guys. We've got Harry asking, what was your motivation when you were at KFC and what's your motivation now? Yeah, my motivation when I was at KFC was make money. Uh, make money and make money. Um, I wanted to uh, – I, I, I got married when I was 19 because my being of an ethnic background, my dad was very, um, very, very strict. So the only way to get out of there was to get married. Um, and to get my promotion, I had to get married. So I thought, hmm, two things, pointing me in that direction, let's, let's make that happen. So the focus was make money, set myself up, buy some property. And uh, I, I remember when I went into the eastern suburbs and I went to a house in Gilliville Avenue as a private sale. And I've gone in and the gentleman's uh, ripping out this granite kitchen. Uh, I don't know what it was worth, but I actually said to him, are you serious? Can I have your kitchen? I just couldn't believe there was so much wealth being thrown out, so to speak. It wasn't my world. Um, I've always been driven by a dollar. Now I'm driven more about what keeps me going in real estate is about the people that I want to work with. So I, this may or may not sound corny and some of you may or may not connect to it, but I get a real buzz out of sitting in the gentleman's lounge yesterday with his two daughters. He's 95, he's travelled the world. We talked about sailing. I'm an educate, uneducated person. I get an education out of that stuff. I, I learn a lot from it. Um, a few days back, I was talking to a, another gentleman who's in uh, finance. He's talking to me about bonds, which I still don't understand, but it was enlightening. So... I like people. Uh, I think it's important to be a people person. Um, if, you, if you don't like people and don't like talking to people, then I think we've got to reevaluate one's position. Yep. Cool. How do you stay motivated now? I know that you've got a team and that, that drives you, but what do you do when you're going up against Alex Phillips, yep. Michael Pallier, and yep. you've just missed out on six listings? Yeah, I think my record's nine, actually, nine in a row um, that I've lost. And they were up against Alex, uh, which, was, which was fine. But where I hate missing out is when I miss out to actually some of you guys, you know, a younger generation that's coming through. And I kind of go, what the effing hell? 
I've been doing this. For, I've just sold the last 20 in the area. This little shit kicker's just come in <laughs> and he's just pinched it from me. Why has he pinched it from me? Because he's likeable. He or she, he or she is likeable. Um, they've serviced the client to a lot more than what I have. I've probably taken it for granted that they were old clients and they'd come back to me and I've dropped the ball. And that happens a lot. That's why I think today... It's so exciting that if you're part of a brand that's got some market share, you, you don't have to have 10 years or five years experience at the end of the day. So I have lost a lot of listings in the past. Um, there, there was a time where I, a few years ago I had a bit of anxiety or a lot of anxiety actually, uh, a lot of anxiety, a bit of depression, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to be a dad. Oh my God, I'm going through this again. I've just had my freedom. No, I don't. Um, I had a lot of therapy. It's all good now. Thanks for asking. Um, and it's the best thing we've ever done. But there was a time where I've gone, maybe it's, maybe it's time. Maybe the new generation's coming through. They're so tech savvy. They're so sharp. They're faster than what I am. I don't want to be part of the 5 a.m club um it's time you know i'll just uh i'll just run a property management business a rent roll and i'll make a few deals here and there and then i think it was i think i lost something on a friday too actually alex um and he outsmarted me on this particular transaction he was good enough to come in onto this particular listing that there was no way i was ever going to lose and he actually presented an offer on an email um, and so the client's gone, oh, you've already got an offer on an email, $14 million. Um, that swung it his way. <sighs> it's funny how that offer never eventuated, that buyer fell over. Um, <laughs> but the, the point was I got outsmarted, you know, I got outplayed. Um, but two days later I picked up another listing, the people that I enjoyed, and you build and you build and you build. I, I try not to take it personal anymore. Um, when you care too much... And if you, compare, if you care too much about a particular client that you've done a transaction with, then that can work against you. I think you've almost got to be a little bit removed and not calculated, but why am I here? I'm here to list a property to give them the best possible service and, and pitch to them why I'm the best agent for the job. If you don't get it, set up some landmines if they haven't signed short agency, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, really disappointed. I know I would have been the best agent for you, but if it doesn't work out, love to talk to you second time around. Do you mind if I talk to you during the campaign? If you've got any questions, give me a call. Um, with your agency period, it's going to auction. Why don't you keep your agent on your toes and just give them an agency period for two weeks after the auction period so that if it doesn't work out, we can talk again or you can always extend. So set it up, set it up for success a bit later. Um, but you just can't take it personal. Easier to say when you might have blown two, three, four hundred thousand dollars, but you've just got to go on to the next one, the next one. Cool. Um, <clears throat> got another question from Ash. He's asked, uh, "What activities do you do? Uh, sorry, what activities did you do off the ground running in real estate that you feel propelled your career the most?" And question number two: What's a day in the life of Rick look like today? Okay. Um, Remind me for question two in a minute because yeah. I've got verbal diarrhea, as you can see. So I get off the topic. So the first question was um, things that propelled me. Uh, when I started working in the industry, I was very lucky that I worked under a very, very good lister. So there was always a surplus of properties for me to start working on. So that gentleman, Lou, Lou Levy from LJ Levy Real Estate was my mentor. Um, he would uh, list properties and put me on them. So from that, 
I would meet people, um, get my profile out. Um, and that was probably the biggest thing that helped me. And that's why I try and set up my business the way I do with having my salespeople and giving them profile. Um, I, I think something that was very, very key to me very early on was me actually writing down and, and I hate setting goals. I'm, I'm, I'm a very unorganized person. Um, I, I deviate. I, I don't know about you guys, but one minute, you, you know, you're on the phone talking to someone and then the phone goes on and on and on. You're supposed to do this. You forgot about this and there's 10 other things that you forget about. So I get very distracted. But one thing that I have done is something very, very simple. Every time I talk to someone or I try to, I just try and write it down. I've got, uh, I think, 246 notes in my phone and they're all cut compartmentalized, whether it's for my surfing, my family, my horses, uh, my different staff members. Um, I, I make a lot of notes yeah, right. because I am a bit of a dinosaur. I'm 56 and my memory's not the greatest. Yeah. Um, but that helped me a lot. Make notes is the only real tip I can give you. Cool. Um, the second question that- can um, I interrupt you for a sec, Kev? I actually spoke to Chris <gasps> yesterday preparing yeah. for this. And one of the mm. things he mentioned was your unwavering worth ethic and not getting distracted with going for a coffee with other agents. Yeah. Tell me how you structure your day to be at the highest performance. Okay. <laughs> and the mindset are behind that. Is there actually structure in our world? I, mm. um, I mean, there, there's key things that you've got to structure yourself for. You've got to go, what's the first stage of my career that I need to do? I need to prospect. So that you've got to lock in. Now, whether you just lock in two hours a week or four hours a week, you've got to structure some prospecting in your day. I don't have a very structured day from the point of view that, sorry, I guess I do have a very structured day if I think about it. How was this morning? This morning, got up at six, quickly ran into the water, had a quick surf, grabbed the wife a coffee, um, little one gets dropped off daycare, get out through traffic, on the way here, you're talking on the phone, picked up a listing, my lovely wife's telling me how my son's having a sugar fix and I'm a very bad husband. Uh, while I'm going, I love you dearly. I've got to prepare for a talk this morning. You've you got to switch. You know, you, when you're in front of someone, you've you got to connect. Um, you're talking about some really good agents a moment ago, Alex uh, Phillips and Michael Pallia. Um, Michael's uh, amazing. He is one of the busiest people that I know, but if you see him in the street, he will make eye contact with you. He will shake your hand and he'll give you two minutes of his time, which feels like five minutes because he's connected and then he'll politely move on. Um, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> structure. 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 So I am not a structured person, but I appreciate that I have a business to run so how I've structured that is we have um, regular meetings, number one. So I, I'm lucky enough to have management that looks after certain things there. Um, I structured to have a coffee meeting with five of my staff each week so that I structure in somewhere. And those meetings may not just be have a coffee. It may be, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's um, multitask at the same time. It may be that meeting happens at an open house at the end of the day. So if you're running a pod, Communication may not have to be structured in a way where you're just sitting down all mm. the time. Multitask as much as you can. But I don't have a structured day because I know when I turn this phone back on, there's going to be missed calls of happy vendors, upset vendors, things that haven't gone right. Um, the thing that I do do from day one is I've always made sure, because we work generally long hours, I call it I have an AM shift and a PM shift. 
So I'll start early, I'll do what I've got to do, and then in the middle of the day, I'll, I'll take off. I'll take off for about an hour, hour and a half. Now, my passion is um, horse riding. I do a lot of show jumping. So whether it's coming out this way and going for a ride or whether it's jumping in the water or going and doing, you know, some meditation or, or what have you, switch off for an hour, hour and day, recharge for your second part of the day. That's probably the most structured thing that I've been able to do. When did you implement that? Yeah, so... I probably implemented that uh, a good 10 to 15 years ago yeah. because otherwise you start in the morning and as we all know, our days are, they're a daily roller coaster. It's not a weekly roller coaster. You know, all of a sudden you've got a lead, uh, you've got a prospect, you think you're going to get a listing, then it doesn't happen. You've got a buyer on a property, you're excited, buyer falls over. Mentally it's very, very draining. Um, the, the other thing I would... Um, suggest you may want to consider doing if you don't is, is finding someone in your world that you can actually talk to and probably not someone too close to you uh, someone that you can be very open about whether it's your work life or, or your family life um, if it's a professional person such as a, a therapist even better because they're trained that way you can dump your baggage pay the bill and get out of there but I think in today's world of high pace and high stress I think, you know what, I'm happy to dump $150, $200 on, on somebody and give them all my problems and feel better and walk out of there. Mm. I think it's a good service. Yeah. Um, it certainly beats some of the older alternatives that we may get caught up in. Me too. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, mate, a question from Rish. If the vendor is overpriced and not willing to listen and realign expectations, what do you do? Okay. So for vendors overpriced and not prepared, I guess it comes back to... Are they overpriced and prepared not to realign their price because you haven't earned their trust? So they're not actually listening to you. Um, and a lot of the time, you're just going to get those vendors that say, I want my price, I want my price. I've got a client at the moment at Birrell Street. The property's worth five, five and a quarter. She's at $7 million. You know what? I've still got the listing. She said she can't afford to remarket it because the cost of remarketing, if she takes it offline, she can't afford it at the moment. So we're keeping it on there. And it's a listing tool for us. We get inquiry, the inquiry we get from it. Um, we qualify those people and hopefully we'll pick up some leads from it. So just because if you're running eight, ten auctions, different story. If you're not, I would suggest that there's still value in keeping your overpriced listings from a lead point of view and from a profile point of view. But one thing we do do is we do tend to be quite processed in managing, as I'm sure we all are, managing expectations, always put things in writing. Uh, I'm a big texter, so if we do an open house, we'll, we'll send a text after the open homes, um, make sure we call them over the weekend. Some of us do callbacks on Saturday, some of us do callbacks on Monday. I always think Saturday's the best uh, while you've got people um, sharp and they've got a bit of time to talk to you because you're going to get your second round of callbacks later in the week. Um, just constant communication with your vendors, whether it's on the phone, more often texts, and a weekly report. And in that weekly report, um, you've just got to be really truthful. Right now, we're in a market that if you haven't got the courage, and I'm going to put my hand up here and say to you that there are four, there was five campaigns in recent times that I neglected my clients, meaning I haven't had that level of communication. And I'm only human. I started to think, 
uh, that one, he paid $5.85 million for that block of apartments. He's got a DA, my costs, stamp duty. They're very, very wealthy people. They're not going to sell it. So I neglected that client. And I've got an auction in a week's time and I've gone, I've got no buyers for this. So I picked up the phone, set up a meeting and just had a heart to heart and basically said to the client, this is the lay of the land. He knew. Surprise. He knew what the market's doing at the end of the day. I didn't, didn't have the courage to confront that scenario and I was about to miss out. So I think more often than not, if they're not listening to you, you have to find a way to get them to listen to you. I think it's actually a small percentage of clients that are going to be fixed on their price given what's out in the media right now. And take, it, take those copies of those articles that are in the media. If you're watching the TV, get your phone in front and record what's happening in the TV, send it to your clients. I think a lot of our clients don't listen to us as much as they should because we maybe they haven't in our trust yet. So I think focus on that a little. Um, question from Josh. Have you had an absolute low point in real estate and how did you overcome it? Ah, you said be truthful, huh? Yes. <clears throat> okay. I've had several actually. Um, the most recent one was when my wife and I decided to start a new family and I started getting very anxious over it, not wanting to go down that path. And uh, we decided to start a family. It, uh, I, I got a lot, a lot of anxiety over it. Uh, I got some depression through that as well. And uh, there was a lot happening in my business. I'd bought out a couple of partners. My cash flow was really, really bad. And I remember sitting in front of my uh, CEO uh, at Rain and Horn, Angus, and saying, and I broke down. So really good for a 53-year-old to break down in front of someone you really respect. Uh, it was fantastic. It was one of my highlights of my career. Um, not. Um, so it was, a really, re it was a really low point. And, I, I, and this is why I always say go out, get some people to help you if you need. I think it's important to vent and important to talk to someone who's not too close to you. Uh, I made some really stupid decisions. I had a, an asset that I, a, a building that I had on, at Bondi, which I bought for seven million. Uh, interest rates were going to start going up again. This is back when we had the Banking Royal Commission and we had to go principal and interest. Um, so I sold that for seven and a half. So I didn't make anything out of it, and and subsequently resold it a year and two months later for the person that I sold it to, not for seven and a half or eight and a half for 22 million oh. so um, I feel so that good hurts. so good um, wow. so I've had some of those challenges that I can relate to certain people now I'm not saying you, you might turn around and go oh big deal that's no I've got my own hardship and you know what we all have our shit but um, it's really interesting that I'm in real estate I sell something for seven and a half and uh, 14 months later it sells for 22 luckily at least we got the com out of it uh, so I'm a real <laughs> expert in picking the market gotta look at the bright side yeah that's right well the bright side there because my kids have actually said to me dad how do you feel about that and I kind of go listen I'm comfortable because we picked up 400,000 in commission and I'm comfortable <laughs> because I know I was never going to be the person to get 22 because if I owned it at seven and a half and somebody offered me 10 I'd go I am the man I am the hero uh -huh. I'm clocking out mm. and I see that in my stocks as well I make a little bit of money I get out I'm a bit of a chicken you know so I don't have the kahunas or the courage to to go long, yeah. you know. So I'm really actually quite – I'll joke about it. You're risk adverse. Yeah, yeah. I, I am risk adverse. And I think as you progress through life, you start to work out how much risk you want to put out there. 
So how I bounced back from that scenario of, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything was one little piece at a time. Um, I reached out for some help. Um, I started to get people around me that I actually uh, trusted mm. and respected. And, um, you know, when you're going through a bit of shit, it's amazing how you work out what your friends are. You hear it all the time. Um, but there was probably four or five people in my world at the time that I was very open with and they helped me get through it. Mm. So don't be Robertson Crusoe. Yeah. How, how, obviously there's a lot of younger guys in this um, crowd today. <coughs> and um, I, I know because I'm obviously a young guy myself, it's sometimes hard to open up, especially when you're going through tough times and especially in real estate as well, when it's such an ego driven industry and mm. it's hard to reach out. What would you say to those people that are in those positions where they are doing a little bit tough? Do you go reach out to a therapist and is it like, at I, what point I think do you do that? Personally, you know, there are therapists and there are therapists. And if you don't feel comfortable saying to your best mate, I'm going to see a therapist, then call it a life coach. You know, I, I encourage my staff to go see life coaches all the time. I've paid for some of them when they've been having their, uh, their down moments. I mean, okay, I'm a salesperson, but I'm running a business and I've also got a lot of um, staff that haven't had the life experiences that I have. Um, so if I see someone, uh, I'm not saying I do have any uh, one in my team that parties really hard and enjoys the alternative lifestyle. Um, I won't mention names. Um, <laughs> but the reality is you can get on a downward spiral pretty quickly if you're missing out on business or if you're actually doing really, really well and you're uh, um, not pissing it up the wall. I'm not allowed to say that. Um, if you're not putting it aside, so to speak. So I think if you're embarrassed by it, um, keep it to yourself, but go get some help. Mm. Um, and th th to me, by opening up and I've got to be upfront with you, God, some of the therapists that I've gone through, they are so wacky. They <laughs> need help, really. Yeah. But I kind of go, hang on, you're talking to me like this. I'm actually, I I'm feeling a bit better. I'm not so bad. <laughs> you, you know, so it doesn't matter what age group you are. I, I think. Uh, whether you're planning on growing your business, your family, I think it's good to have a best mate that isn't your best mate, mm. someone that mm. you can trust and that you pay them for a service, they can't share it with anyone and uh, some of the stuff I've spoken about, thank God they can't talk to anyone about it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, feel that, feel that. Um, Sorry. I've got a, what happens when you are in that state of anxiousness and you have to connect with a client? Yeah. What did you do at that point in time? Do you take a step back from the seven yeah, days a week? A do you push forward? No. Um, okay. So you didn't tell me this was going to be the mental health section, but <laughs> I, but, but it's all good. And, and I must say, thank you for this morning because I don't know how many people have gone and had um, done talks on real estate, but usually the day before you get a few questions. So you can, you can work it out, you know, A, B, C, D questions. So you, you have a bit of a think about it. Today, you buggers are cold turkey. <laughs> so... Uh, I'll walk away from this and say, I shouldn't have said this, I should have said that, but at least it's a little bit raw. Yeah. Um, so one thing that when I was having those moments of really bad anxiety, um, one thing that I started doing was a lot of, uh, a lot of people call it um, uh, meditation. I still don't know what meditation is. I just call it breath work. Um, you know, people talk about yoga. I don't know what yoga is. I just call it a stretch class. Why? I'm a bit of a male and I don't like those terms so much. You know, I don't associate with it. So I put my own spin on it. But 
every time I would go into an appraisal or delivering an offer, I would take my 10, 15 minutes and I would just focus, recap and just breathe, breathe, breathe. There would be meetings that I would come out of and I'd have to have another 10, 15 minutes of just breathing just to settle down. Um, I don't know if anyone suffered, and I'm not going to ask people to put their hands up, but if you've ever suffered from anxiety, um, it's, it's, it can be pretty debilitating. It's, it's real. Mm. And until you've had it, you probably can't relate to it. So how I handled those moments was I, I've got a few apps that I use and I would do a lot of breath work and prepare for what I'm about to do. Um, it, it's, you know, it's like anything. It's like courting. Um, you don't just, well, there is a service for that, but you don't go out there and go, well, I just want to have sex with someone. Um, you usually go and you court and you follow a process. There's, there's a system to follow. Um, that's listings. Mm, definitely. Um, question from Richard. Uh, with such competition in your marketplace, what do you believe your point of difference is during a listing presentation? Um, I believe... And this happened yesterday, actually, where I don't know if you have gone to an appraisal. I'm sure you have. And then you're walking out, the next agent's walking in. Um, beautiful. Yeah, you know. And so in this instance, the owner's actually walked us to the door. The next gentleman, Paul, uh, Paul Bill, I hope you're listening, um, <laughs> knocks on the door. And it was like, oh, Paul, how are you? Um, Eva, this is the second best agent in the area. I'm glad you voted the number one and number two. Make a bit of a joke about it at the end of the day. Um, I, I think that my sense of humour, um, I think I'm a good listener, um, but I think what has helped me over the years is reading the room, reading the play. There are times where I will go out with a salesperson and someone asks a question and then they feel they need to keep going on about that question when that was five minutes ago. Mm. Um, it, read the room, uh, ask questions, try and get your clients um, answering those questions and then work out how you can connect. Uh, we used to have the privilege of meeting a client, doing a, uh, a pitch uh, and then coming back to close. You don't have that now. The market's so fast and so aggressive. You know, if they don't sign up now, you can set it on DocuSign 10 minutes later. It's fast paced. You really do have to have a higher strike rate of listing that property first time round. Yeah. So when you're in the listing presentation, what's your, what, do you have a framework? What do you, what's your yeah. points? How are you presenting? So I carry a pack, which I've got in the car and um, I've got everything in there. It really annoys me when I go to a listing presentation that one of my colleagues has called me into and they're not prepared. Uh, have you got an agency agreement? No, no, it's just a price check. I mean, it's just a price check. How do you know? Mm. You know, have your marketing budgets, have your paperwork, have the paperwork half filled in. The amount of paperwork that I throw out going in half filled in and we didn't need it, but I'm there because I, wanna, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time while I'm talking to them, looking down, filling stuff in because I'm losing contact. You, you break up the flow, so to speak. Mm. So I always go into a presentation thinking that this is going to be a listing presentation, not a price check. Uh, at the moment, we are calling anyone that's basically bought in the last three years, whether they bought it three months ago or three years ago. Interest rates are on the up. You've got clients that are going to come off 1.8, 1.9%, jumping into 45 5.5%, 6% if they're on a low dock or no dock loan. That is frightening for a lot of people. People will think about that last minute. So there's going to be stock out there. So to get back to the question. Sorry. Hit that. Let's hit that, guys. Just talking to my guys. Let's hit that today. Um, so to, to answer the question, I go in prepared with all the information and all I'm looking for is connect, 
get them to do the tour, see if they specifically talk about a particular room. Yesterday we were telling us how this bedroom used to be a ballroom, so I think maybe they're a dancer. Connect, connect, connect. Try and find out a price from them. Uh, I often will ask a question of, forget about the market price or what I think, but it's got to be tempting to you to sell this amazing home. You've been here for three days. Um, is there a range that makes sense to you? So try and get a price, because let's face it, how many times do we get shut down on price? Yesterday I went on on something 1.1, 1.2. Paul Billow went in at 1.5 to 1.6. <laughs> um, and already we're on the back foot. That happens to all of us at the end of the day is price is, is, is a big thing. We always try and have um, sales there so that they can at least compare. But to me it's about getting information out of them and mm. keeping communication. Definitely, definitely. Um, just coming back to the breath work, just a question from Rinat. Um, he's asked, can you elaborate a bit more on what you do with your breath work? Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so I actually uh, worked out very quickly. I went out and paid $3,500 for medication, med not medication, I've paid a bit of that too, um, meditation course uh, at Paddington and I got a little bit out of that, but I also worked out very, very quickly that there's some really good apps. Um, uh, there's one that I use, Breath, at the moment that you subscribe to. It's $15 a month. And there's uh, different genres that you can lock into. And it may be breathing and holding for four, you know, breathing for four, hold for four, breathe out. It's just to relax and reset what's inside. You know, uh, we take what's inside for granted. And, and I'm quite happy to talk about this. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm 56. I've been divorced three times. So I don't really give a shit what people think anymore unless you're my vendor. Um, but seriously, tap into it. We're all, a lot of us are alpha males out there. We've got a lot of ego. I used to think ego was a bad thing, but I actually think ego now is actually a good thing. I think it's one of the things that drives us. Um, but maybe go and have a lesson or two uh, from a meditation point of view. It's quite inexpensive, um, download some videos, but it's basically different ways of breathing. That's what it is to me. I, I don't make it anything else that I'm trying to find enlightenment or anything else. Um, that's not me. There are people trying to find enlightenment. That's cool. I respect that, but that's not in my world at the moment. Yeah. Um, question from Rish, and this goes for a few guys out there. Um, if you're starting in a new suburb today, what specific activities would you do daily to break in? Good question, because I asked Ben if you guys were recruiting because I was looking for a lifestyle change. So, <laughs> um, okay, so I started in a new environment. I know nobody, absolutely know nobody, but I know I need to get some runs on the board. What would I do? I am a little bit lazy, believe it or not. And I like to try and get people referring business to me. So I'd probably either go and join a networking group. I, I don't know if they're all over. BNIs. Yeah, BNIs, for example. Yeah. Um, I joined one very early on. I didn't really like the people that were there. So I thought, hey, why don't I just start my own? So you bring on your own solicitor, your own accountant, your own financial planner. I don't have a lot of hair, so I get my hair cut every week. Yeah. Um, it's 20 bucks, you know, but I'm a bit of a haircut slut. So I go around to five different barbers, you know, no, it's true. It's true. true. You guys have got a lot more hair. You can't do it every week. So I've got one up on you, but, and ladies, um, but what I'm trying to say is tongue in cheek, develop a network of people that are going to refer to you at the end of the day. If your principal says, uh, you've got to refer to this person, refer a little bit but refer a bit more to your own network at the end of the day, whether that's a solicitor, financial planner, an accountant. So that would be the first thing. 
that I would start. That takes time. Um, the other thing I would probably do, depending on the size of your office, if you've got one or if you've got 40, is I would um, help my peers out. And I'd say, can I help you? Be it opens, would you consider putting my name on a board and online? And in return, the next listing I get will be yours. So try and share your profile. Ask. They're going to say yes or no. You're 50 50 chance at the end of the day. So I think today we're in a world of building your profile. Um, I've just, list, uh, just listed, I've just hired, well, yeah, I've just listed a new employee. Uh, to me, my employees are listings at the end of the day. I've got to nurture them. I've got to work. I've got to manage it. So uh, young Kate's come on board. She was with another company for two years. Um, what's happening in the industry? A lot of people letting people go. We had the opportunity to secure her. She's a gun. Um, she started with me and she's on five properties. But the deal is uh, she's on five properties, but she's got to bring in three in the next three months. I don't care if they're overpriced, but she's got to give back a bit of love. And that love is profile. I'm not necessarily looking for the sale. I'm always looking for have listings, build my profile, and then you'll get the crappy lead, you'll get the good lead. Mm. But become an attraction <clears throat> agent as quickly as possible when you're starting in a new area. Do the corny letterbox drops, pay for your own photocopying, get your name out there, get the old cards that no one uses any, anymore. Um, you know, you're doing cards, be a bit different with your cards, uh, well, depending on company policy, of course. Um, I mean, I, I carry a card around that I uh, pinched from Westpac many, many years ago. And instead of it just having my normal card, it's one of those calculator cards, if you've seen them. So you pull it out. Thank God interest rates have gone up because it's now relevant because it's three, it's seven percent. Um, it was irrelevant not long ago. Um, so try and have a point of difference. Meet people. If you don't have a listing and you're starting in a new area, go to your competitors' open homes. Um, at the end of the day, meet your competitors, develop a bit of a relationship. You don't have to like them. You just got to work with them. You got to you got to be respectful of who's out there. Um, you got to get your face and your name out there as quickly as possible. If you don't have anything and you're working for a company, if you're helping out your peers, um, Max, John, Sam, can I post this on social media for you and tag you in? Do some of their mm. legwork. Build your profile. Yep, brand's important. What yeah. do you do now at your stage oh. to keep building profile? Does it change? Yeah, um, it doesn't, it doesn't. I am at a stage where uh, I'll be really upfront. Uh, about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I had to get back on what I call get back on the tools. So I had to get this little thing. I had to go into my database and um, on the blower I, yeah you know i had to pick up the phone and say hello steve it's been three years um notice you purchased the property markets all over the shop we've had some really good successes um what's happening in your life would you like me to come and do a price check mm -hmm. and it, i couldn't believe how hard those first few calls were you know, i've been doing this for 32 years but i've been delegating that activity and you know what i don't really want to do that activity now i do mm -hmm. and so to me, get back to basics. Understand how your clients communicate. If it's your generation, you're probably going to be more tech savvy, more digital savvy. If it's someone my age, depending on what you're trying to list, they're going to want to knock on the door. They're going to want a phone call. They're going to want to meet you. So learn to talk on their level. Mm. Um, this is one of the things I talk about being a chameleon, you know, diversify. So... What I'm actually doing at the moment is picking up the phone and it's amazing how by doing an action, things start to come in. Mm. You know, I'm a big believer of 
working a patch, so working a community. Um, that might be a next question. Oh, thank, yep. thank you for asking. Uh, so I, I'm a big believer of, I'd never wanted to be in an environment where if I listed something, say in Bondi, I'd have to go to Piemont. You know, to me, I go, well, to get on my scooter and go from Bondi to Piemont, that's 15 minutes. That's one campaign that I've lost. To come back, that's another campaign that I've lost. If I'm gonna take something out of my area, it's gotta be worthwhile. Otherwise, delegate. Be known as the person in your patch. From that, you're gonna get referrals, you're gonna get market share. You're gonna be the attracting, the attraction agent, as they call it. It's actually really easy to do. It's so annoying for me, who's been in the industry for so long, that this is actually happening to a very young generation right now, because they should all just come to me, but they don't. Can we rewind back to the scooter? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if, if many people know, but you, you, you don't drive a car around, do you? I do drive a car. You do drive uh, a car. I drive a car out here. Um, I go out west a fair bit, so I don't like doing that on the bike. Yeah. But to me, it's about time management. Um, actually, there's two things that I try and, and work on. Time management and keeping it real at the end of the day. Mm. Do what you do. If you want to go and buy a Lamborghini and that's your goal and it makes you happy, don't judge. Do it. Do what makes you happy. My son just bought a Harley. He's copped a hiding from me but I appreciate it makes him happy. I've tried to remember certain things, especially in the Eastern suburbs where everyone tends to, not everyone, a large percentage of people are very flash. And I've always tried to be the agent that isn't the flash one. I've had clients, I remember a client saying to me when I had an old Land Cruiser with, um, I've had horses for a while, with hay in the back. And they saw me pull up, they saw some hay and they've just gone, this guy's real. We went to list with this guy. I, was, I already had the foot in the door. Now, if I tack that same hay to Vaucluse on a waterfront, I don't think it's going to gel. So understand your marketplace at the end of the day. So I drive around most when it's sunny and it's dry on a scooter because it takes me th three, four minutes to get to places. On Saturdays, we've got 15 minutes to get to somewhere and have it preset and opened up. So it's, for me, it's time management. It's cheap on fuel. Uh, I filled up the other day at $11.50, not $111.50. Um, to me, the clientele that gravitate to me like me keeping it simple. Um, I like doing my surfing. They don't feel that they need the, the flash. And if I'm going to see a client that wants the flash, you know what, I'll put the suit and the tie on, I'll wash my car and I'll bring the little four-wheel drive Merc and I'll, I'll play the role, mm. be the chameleon. Yep. You know, and if you're getting a scooter, make sure you get your microphone. Uh, so you don't lose time at the end of the day. So you're actually talking while you're while yeah, you're riding. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And they, they don't hear wind, nothing. No, they're fantastic. Wow. They're fantastic. Wow. And you don't have to touch the phone. You just cough into it. It's it's activated by um, by sound. So you're always working no matter where you're going. Uh, but I must say during our amazing wet summers that we've had, it's been nice to be back in the car. I bet. I bet. Um, question from Harry, uh, Harry again. When do, when do you start putting pressure on? Oh, let's skip that one. Um, Marco, <laughs> no, no, look, look, guys, we're, we're talking uh, really open and honest here. So happy to share what um, I think uh, to answer your question, Harry, um, from day one, um, <laughs> Marco's question is what, where, what did you implement to improve your listing presentations? Okay. Um, a PA, a support person who can organize me. Um, for those of you who are 
disciplined and highly organized. I take my hat off to you. I'm not that person. Um, and I do find a lot of highly successful salespeople have a high level of disorganization. And I think that's because you just get so busy at the end of the day and you, f- you forget things. So a big part of it was putting on a support person. Uh, my first support person was a real, um, it was not a great experience. I had to come up with the money. My, uh, cl- my um, employer at the time wasn't interested in, um, uh, in helping me that way. Uh, so I had to come up with the money. I had no idea how to run another person. So I'd spend half my day trying to keep the other person busy because I want to busy because I'm paying them $35,000 a year and I don't want to waste it. But it was taking away from what I did. So I think before you put that person on, talk to other people that have got support people and get an idea of what is required there. Get a support person um, is probably a, a key thing that I can think of off the top of my head. Yep. Cool. What about on the negotiation side? I saw you did 88 Military Road. Yes. Dover Heights. Uh, in a downward market, you've sold that at a ridiculous price. Yes. Can you run me through the thought process and how you achieve a cracking negotiation? Okay. Um, I'll just ring my two salespeople that did the negotiation and they'll be able to tell you. So what I'm trying to say is that was a t- – look, see, here you go. Profile. I sold 88 Military Road. The reality was there was three of us. There was one person that got the lead. Another agent also from the same our same office got in the door. They'd been working the vendor. And I also had a relationship with that vendor. We worked it as a team at the end of the day. Um, that client was adamant, absolutely adamant that they were not going to sell. They wanted ten and a half million dollars. They'd bought it for six point two million a year and a month earlier. They painted the bedrooms and put some carpet in. So, and we sold it for uh, ten point eight million, six two to ten point. Sorry, six two to nine point eight. Pretty good capital growth. But there was a situation where we had a vendor, a captain of business, who is very much, I'm not coming off my price. This is what I want. And it was very much a case of managing expectations by comparable sales, what's in the media, even when you are getting to a situation where do not keep sending me this information. We have a duty to let our vendors know exactly what's happening in the marketplace. So keep chipping away at educating your clients uh, as to what's happening out there. How do you do that? Yeah, so we have ground level of we have our whatsapp group uh, for all the salespeople. i'm sure you've got one of those as well we try to keep our whatsapp group clean because we show that when we're going in on listing presentations how we work as a team rather than uh, the Soraya team the smith team and the jones team so we, we have a rain horn team so to speak um so on there if anyone's listed a property often they'll pull out there we've just listed this we've got a sneak preview if anyone's got a buyer um, you could go through that and, and it's a listing tool uh, at the end of the day. Um, what was the question? Um, how, how do you educate your vendors? Yeah, okay, thank you. So how do I educate my vendors? From the WhatsApp group and what we see in the media, we will always, uh, with our reports, our weekly reports, send out comments as to what's happening in the marketplace. So there'll be snippets of these ads. Use um, that validation. Um, I'm a big believer of having one-on-one meetings at the end of the day. Uh, If you have to, maybe a Zoom, but I think get in front of them as much as possible. Make sure that your clients um, believe you and trust you. And I think that's very hard to do just on the phone. So 
I'm very fortunate that when I work a property, I've got a, um, another person working it with me. That allows them to do the email responses, the second reply to the emails, um, the callbacks and what have you, and I can spend more time on the vendor management. Yeah. And that vendor management really is, hi, Ariella, I just want to let you know, look, there's really nothing much to talk about today. You know, Lindsay's waiting on his valuation to come through, but I just wanted to let you know. So if you've got a you, – I don't know – who has or who hasn't bought a property in this room, but that's probably one of the best things you could probably do is have bought a property or missed out on a property or pretend to. Mm. So if you want to, you've got to be able to feel how a buyer is feeling at any given time and how a vendor is feeling at any given time. I know if I'm selling something, I want to feel that I'm the only agent, the only listing that that agent has got. I want to be, I'm a high touch person. You know, I'm getting um, some horses, some mares inseminated at the moment. I do a bit of breeding and I'm going to one of the best vets in Sydney. And if I leave a message and they haven't called me that day, I'm like, what's going on? I'm, I'm your one and only. They've got thousands of clients. <clears throat> but they've found a way via text, via photos um, and a late call to communicate with me. So communication is king. Definitely. How do you... Th- being a buyer's agent on this side of the fence, a lot of the time we'll get clients from your lack of yes. neglect. Yes. Um, what's your take on being an agent who services a vendor to get them the best price yes. or an agent who also manages the buyers to then create yeah. a flow of business? I think buyer's agents are um, – uh, uh, an industry that's growing very, very rapidly. Um, And I think that's been on the back of generally us being vendors agents doing via work very, very poorly. I mean, let's face it, I put my hand up. When the market's booming, I'm there listing. I'm not, my buy work is very, very poor. Just come to the auction. Yeah, that's right. You know, follow the process at the end of the day. It's about listing, listing, listing. Now it's about listing, listing, listing. But now you should have your 10, 20 buyers, hot buyers that hopefully have got something to sell. So so keep it, keep it simple. You know, if I open up my database this morning, I'm going to get anxiety. So if you want to see a 56 year old getting anxiety, I'll press a button if you really want to see it. Why? Because there's hundreds of things in there. If you go to my car, I've got my paper diary and I've got 16, 18, 20 things I've got to get through today. So there are times I don't get it on my database. You guys are great. You're very nifty in tech and I um, think that's amazing. That's not my world. My world is write all these little notes down and follow those basic things up that are important. There's nothing worse when you lose a listing and you go, oh, I didn't get back to them. So use your tech to support you with reminders, but don't complicate it at the end of the day. Um, can you ask me the question again? No, I've had a mind blank. I was looking at my next question. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think I answered that. As you can see, I, when I'm in listing presentations, <laughs> I just focus on that conversation and what's, what's going on. Um, hence why I keep asking you for, for questions at the end of the day. I haven't got yeah. Alzheimer's. I've been checked twice, actually. <laughs> so I'm okay. But yeah, it Sorry. was more just about do you focus on getting the best outcome for your vendors? Yeah. Or do you also yeah. want to think of the buyer? I've always uh, – I'm very proud to say that I've never taken a bribe. Uh, I've never but once uh, bought my own listings uh, nor bought my own listings from whatever company I work from. So I've always been recognised as a vendor's agent and been very, very proud of what people say, well, what's your fix? My fix sometimes is when we play the game and we get that and the vendor's gone, yes, I'll sell it for 1.8 and you got them 1.875300. 
you know, I, I like that. It's like that was my mind game of getting that little bit extra. I love odd numbers at the end of the day. Um, I know it sounds corny, but it just shows that you've tried to squeeze the buyer as much as possible. People remember that. Don't forget, we do this every day. You know, we're on repetitive mode. Your vendor, they have no experience. They're, they're suspicious of everybody. They're suspicious of us. You know, we have a much better reputation in the marketplace, but it, it's not completely clean at the end of the day. So you've got to put your, try and put yourself in their shoes and understand how nerve-wracking it is at the end of the day. We generally do biowork very badly, but I say that based on my experience and how I've done biowork. So if I offend anyone, I'm sorry. If I was starting out today, I would be focusing on the buyers that have got something to sell. Yeah, and if depending on your situation, if you're part of a pod or an EBU, then you've got a relationship there. But I think buy work is probably at the moment a lot more important mm. because there are agents in our area and it's highly competitive, which will conjunct with you right now. They want to get their listing sold. If you've got a stock sheet, go through your stock sheet, call different agents to say, can you give be upfront? Will you give me a split on this? What's the split? Work on other people's stock if that if your company allows you to. To me, if you're a good if you work good buyers that have got something to sell is always my preference. Is always my preference. Because to me, if I'm going to be putting in the work, I'm going to get a couple of dollars, but I want to try and get the listing out of it at the mm. end of the day, yeah, servicing them. But I think buyers' agents are going to continue to grow. Um, question from Tommy. What do you say to vendors to build or create urgency to list now and not next year? Can I answer that question in a moment? Mm. Um, just on, on your, on your um, buyer work and being a vendor's agent, just also be cautious. There are many, many times that we will have temptation put in front of us and the temptation is going to be, hey, look, get it for us and and we'll get you the listing, give, give you our listing, get it for us and we'll give you 10 grand on the side. If you haven't experienced that, you will. Just remember that that 10 grand or the listing that you're supposed to get, they're going to remember what you've just done at the end of the day. And mm. you know what? People talk. So when you fall into that... Uh, bribe um, that's always going to be hung over your head at the end of the day mm. um, just wanted to share that because I, I used to see that happening a lot and when I'd hear about it I'll be upfront. I used to use it in, in my presentations and I, I still do I won't mention agencies but I'll say oh yeah that agency they sold it to someone there in their office we sold one around the corner for three six they sold for three three for someone in their office <laughs> you, look, you got to use what you got to use legally and in a nice-ish way to be ahead of your competitor. Whether, yeah, do what it takes. Do what it takes within. Do reason. what it takes. Yeah, yeah. within reason. Definitely. Um, sorry, the question was from Tommy. Um, what are you What are you doing or saying to vendors to build or create urgency to list now and not next year? Okay, so my dialogue's very simple at the moment. The media is helping me with it, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, vendor. Uh, do you realise that already this week? Um, and actually, this is factual. We've had two, three, four people call me that are on one point eight percent, one point nine eight percent. One's coming off in February on their fixed rate. Another one's coming off in March. They're going to be jumping into anywhere from four and a half to six percent what does that mean not a lot to you because they're going to turn around and generally say oh but i used to be on 21 percent 25 years ago maybe not in that accent we've got a slightly different accent in our area um but i try and put it into dollar terms so i go well if your property is worth two million dollars and you're going to have to pay an extra three percent how much is that per year that you have to pay on interest 
And don't forget, you've got to earn it. So you nearly double. There's not too many people that are just going to find 50, 100, $150,000. What we believe is going to happen in my scripts at the moment is we believe what's going to happen is people leave things to the last minute and next year they'll start to feel the pain. We will get a lot more supply. It's probably a better market to be buying in than selling. Um, and that's pretty much a simple dialogue we're using right now. Yeah. And other clients that... Uh, what we're also trying to explain to people is get cashed up now if you're upgrading. Mm. You know, that's a really good market to tap into. What are you doing for the reverse? Let's say I come to you, I've got a few buy. I've got to buy for your property, but given the fact interest rates are rising, I'm not a motivated buyer per se. Very good. How are you Here's where you're going to be a chameleon. So the scripts of the buyers is completely different. The scripts of the buyers at the moment is I think there's been a real overreaction to these the interest rates at the end of the day. You're only talking about people that have bought in the last three years. Before that, we had high interest rates. So whoever's bought in the last three years, you're banking on the property that you want in the specific area you want coming up and being a lot cheaper. May not be the case. We get clients that want to be in, in a particular a hood in a particular village in a particular street now that street and that area may not come up for six nine or twelve months time so i think it's a matter of putting doubt into people's minds that now is actually the sweet spot to be buying and maybe not later because that property may not come up the one that they are looking for and at the end of the day what we have found and I do find that to be the case when the market contracts is that stock is starting to tighten up. We're not getting the big spring rush in our area that we thought we were going to get. Mm -hmm. So I usually say in our area, there's a lot of, a lot of old money. A lot of people have paid off their mortgages. They know what seven, eight, nine percent is like, and they simply just don't sell. So you got to work the other side at the end of the day as well. Mm. Yep. Um, question, where are we? Question from Josh, would you drop your commission to get business or maintain a standard of service and value and sacrifice the listing? Um, yeah, I'm very commercial on my fees. I, I'll, I'll be upfront with you. Uh, yesterday, what did we pitch on? We pitched on a, a house, nine and a half to 10 million. Uh, we initially went in at 1.85% including GST and we've renegotiated that to 1.5. I went in on an apartment. Um, that I'd like to get, but I'd like to get it because I really want to get it over the other agent, um, to be really truthful. Um, and so we're at 1.5 on that. Um, I have a theory and I kind of go this way. If I'm selling a $1.5 million property, let's say, and I think that's a fair price out this way, yeah, or a couple of million dollars, let's say $2 million property, at 2%, that's $40,000. If I list that property, if they want me to be commercial, and let's talk about um, tiered structures and performance scales in, in a moment. Um, so I then go, mm, if I list that at one and a half, if they really want me, and I think the other side of this conversation is, don't think that you're the only good agent out there. You know, with technology today and with market share today, there's a lot of really good agents and there's some really good agents in this room that if you came up against each other, it may be, oh, I had to flip a coin because you're so good, yeah? Everyone's marketing's pretty good. If you've gone through what you've gone through in the last few years, we've all got good photographers, we've got good, the, the bar is up here. So don't, I don't have the analogy of, well, if I'm not gonna drop my pants, but I, I have a reasonable range, if I'm not commercial, am I prepared to miss out on it if they're motivated? No, I'm not. 
if I'm not going to get 2% and make $40,000, but I'm going to go in at 1.5% and make $30,000, and that's going to take care of my mortgage, my family, yeah, I'm going to do it for 1.5%. But what I will also do is whether I'm at 1%, yes, 1%, there are often in the East where we'll start at 1% tiers, one and a quarter, one and a half. That's the reality, guys. But try to then come back and put in a buffer or a performance scale that if you're listing it on a lower amount, that if you get X amount, you get a bigger share of the pie. So maybe go... Okay, why don't we reduce the base? If, if the decision is you're going to run with me, we reduce the base. But over $2 million, that's 10% or 5%. Mm. I've had agents in our office that have made more money on the amount above than on the base. You know, Alex mm. from our office listed a property in, um, in Darling Point Road last year. Reserve was 4.2. He was on uh, 10% and then 20% uh, above 4.2 million. Crazy auction, went for over $6 million. Oh, yeah. It's like, so when you're going into list, if they're asking you to come down, maybe go both ways. Um, that's something to consider if you're not already doing that at the moment. Yeah, it's great. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. That is insane. Um, question from Ash. Do you ever have burnout and how have you managed that in your career? Do you break your, career, uh, break your year up in quarters and go away on mini holidays to reset or there anything like that? Yes, I've had burnout. We've discussed a little bit about that um, earlier. I um, There are some agents like Alex, you brought up Alex. Um, he's uh, I respect him immensely for many reasons. Um, and one of the reasons uh, is that he's able to break up his year and, and have these regimented breaks. I'm truthfully too scared to have a long break. Uh, I think that if I was to have a break for six weeks, I don't think that I would want to come back. Uh, I think I'd probably want to continue that break uh, if I speak very honestly today. I love, I do genuinely still love what I do, um, but how I manage my life is I'll have the usual Christmas break. Now that we've got a young one, we'll start to have a little bit more holidays, but I have a break every day. So my break is start out with something for myself early in the morning. Um, I like going for a surf or, or a swim. So I'm, I've got that opportunity that I can do that in the water. You'll have something else. I do something for myself in the morning. I go hard and I have a break in the middle of the day. Um, Mondays I try to just be on the phone. So that's my holiday where I'll do my other passions and my, my me time. Um, but I'm not having two offices, being a salesperson – We've got, I think, 26, 28 salespeople, a three-and-a-half-year-old and a 31-year-old. I'm very hard with breaks. When I get to the next level where I'm ready to uh, clock out, um, then I think I'll probably go, okay, I'll just handpick a few listings and my business will be my rent roll and my salespeople and supporting them a lot more. Um, but I'm not at that level yet. Yep. And I, I don't think my addiction will allow me to be that for a long time. Yeah. Um, reflecting back on my own career uh, in real estate, I, the hardest period that I saw wasn't being an assistant, wasn't being um, you know an agent with momentum. It was that beginning stage of starting off as your own agent and yep. putting on your first assistant. That was the hardest part for me. Um, what did you do at that point when you didn't have an assistant? What were the tasks you were doing? What was the tipping point for you that got you over the line? And how did you stay motivated? Because I know it, it gets really tough. Yeah, so when uh, I had my first assistant, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I spent more time trying to organise her 
than actually doing the dollar productive tasks that I am good at. Um, as I've said, I'm very disorganized. I hate paperwork, um, but I like to think that I'm reasonably good with people. Mm. Uh, I try and connect. Um, so I think that what, what's, in, what's important here, I think going off debit credit was a really big thing for me mentally and that's been a big thing you know having the luxury of getting a few dollars every i don't know if you have debit credit models or, or not yeah. in uh, in your group but i think having the luxury of taking your 500 600 800 whatever it may be these days home is a real achilles heel because until until your back's to the wall and you go I need to do this for me because I need to, my bank account is diminishing and I need to pay for petrol if you're at home or not at home, but you've got your own responsibilities. Until you feel that, it's, I don't think the switch flips, mm. you know. Uh, if you're on debit credit, oh. I would get off and they haven't paid me to do this, by the way. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I've seen a Dion Markovitz who was Rain Horn's number one international agent last year, a salesman wise, um, not principal rise. He, um, he attributed coming off debit credit as his biggest thing. Mm. He was so shit scared that it just launched him into prospecting. And still today, his first one in, last one of the first ones in and last ones out of the office. So it can be a crutch. Yep. Um, I think that if you've got an asset, if you're fortunate enough to have bought some property, um, get a redraw facility. Mm. The sooner that you can start thinking of yourself as running um, Harry Real Estate PTY LTD under the banner that you are, you're a business person and not an employee, the sooner that you can do that, that's the best thing that you will achieve mentally as nervous as you may be. But I went through some tough times switching over, trying to organize people. It's called reaching out. Mm. You know, you'd be amazed how many performers, medium, top level, whatever they are, you reach out to people in your industry, maybe don't do it in your core group and your core area, go outside the area, they will help you. People are really helpful with their time. And I, and I think um, they enjoy helping other people. I know I get that a little bit. And mm. if it's not my direct competitor down the road, happy to share. Mm. So reach out, ask questions to other people that are doing what you want to do. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Mm. Copy and paste. Do you think it can be premature going out off the debit credit for those that are at that point now? Well, what is that point? What is the point when you come off your debit credit? Have you been doing it? Uh, okay. Um, to me, it would, I would be going, can I list properties? You know, if I, can, if I can prove to myself that I can list and sell a property a month, I'd be getting off debit credit. One property a month, list and sell. If you're confident you can do that, get off debit credit. Mm. You know, maybe talk to the hierarchy about how they may help you. Um, in that instance, um, uh, maybe maybe it's a loan of some sort. Maybe it's uh, I mean I'm about to do something with not one of my highest earners where he came on board for the first two years debit credit. His debit credit is coming up. He's now going PTY LTD, and we're going to loan him do a loan interest free um, for his PA. You know, really? and the other support people will help him train 
that PA. So we help each other out. How good. Um, I believe in the guy. The guy's just sold a $10.8 million property. Mm. So he's proving himself. He's hungry. He's getting married. He's just gotten into debt. Woohoo! <laughs> you know, I'm excited. You know, yeah. so to me, he's, he's going he's gonna to be a one, one and a half, two million dollar earner in the next three years. I'm very confident. Yeah, so for sure. happy to support that. But not go, well, here it is for nothing. You've got to earn it. You've got, you've got to dig in. Mm. But it's worth the digging in. You can make, Jesus, I don't know, what does the Prime Minister earn? I forget the bribes and everything else, but well, what does the Prime Minister really earn <laughs> at the end of the day? I mean, we can make double, triple the amount. You know, I th- we're very, very lucky. We, yeah. we, we really are. And I don't think we appreciate how lucky we are. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry, Mr. Albanese. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, in terms of... When when you're the, when these markets come into play and the market starts uh, falling, a lot of these a lot of agents that have been in the industry for only the past year or two, they've only seen a good market, and now they see a market like this and they get unsettled and they get unnerved. Is it time where I've seen agents. a lot of people leave the industry too? What yeah. would you say to people? That so are seeing we, the we we saw that last time around and we're seeing it again now, um, and it may be that they're leaving the industry because they've been let go because they've been oh, it's part of a group, and if you're that person, don't don't take it upon yourself to go. Well, I'm, I can't do it. I'm not worthy enough. Um, it's just because that person who you were working under at the time, the circumstances changed. Uh, we've had people join us that were extras in a team and joined us and then now within six, 12 months, they're kicking some really good goals. So it, it, it just means that you, the, the next opportunity may be the right opportunity. Um, we tend to find a lot of people in the industry and go into recruiting. Um, they go become buyer's agents. There's more buyer's agents out there that, and I, I gotta say, I feel for a lot of the buyer's agents out there right now, they're not doing deals. You know, six months ago, different story. Right now, a lot of buyers are sitting on their hands, so mm. they're suffering. Um, I think that if you're going, this is all too hard, talk to some mentors, talk to other successful people, whether it's someone mm. on your team, myself, there's, there's many people out there. Um, this is actually a market of opportunity. This isn't the hard market. I, I had one of my salespeople come to me not long ago and said, I'm really struggling right now. I've been in the industry for seven years. I've never seen a rate rise. I've gone, oh, yeah, never thought of that. Yeah, you never seen a rate rise. Um, so, okay, I need to give that person some direction. So if you're stuck, don't be the alpha male. Reach out. Reach out to people that you respect. And I know in this group there are people that are going to help each other. You've got, you know, a, a, I'll call it a sales manager's role in the group. Uh, Shannon's joined you. I believe, you know, there's good experienced people that will give you direction, but don't give up. This is actually the market for you to grow your business. This is actually the market for market share. You know, I had an agent, ah, so silly. I had an agent, I'm going to say, pinch a listing from me in my core area, meaning that I didn't get back to them quickly enough. I thought one of my associates was chasing it. I missed out. They sold it. We all know what happens, right? They meet all the people that live in the area. He's picked up another one that I was chasing because they like that agent's personality. So he's listed another one. And guess what? In my street, another one just popped up with that same agent. So from one moment of relaxation, I've lost three listings. 10.8, 11.2, probably seven. 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. So when you ask me um, about listings, I take on whatever I can get. Mm. I don't care if it's a studio because you don't know the person that's selling that studio, what they're, who they're going to refer you to at the end of the day. I'm not just looking for the flash. Sometimes selling five smaller properties is easier and quicker than waiting for that time to sell the one big property. Mm. It's all cash flow. Yeah. Um, and I've forgotten the question. <laughs> what about scripts and dialogue? Yeah. When you're connecting, are you big on connecting? Do you focus on any scripts and dialogue? Yeah. I, I once once again, um, I think if you're starting out, I don't know what the your group has. I know with Rain and Horn, we've got a lot of scripts and dialogues in there. But I think one of the things that helped me out a lot was getting a group and not waiting for my boss to organise this. It was, hey Johnny, Sam. Um, let's have a scripts and dialogue session. Mm. Learn to run your own business. You're not an employee after today. You, mm. You've got to change your mindset. So if you're stuck and you don't know what the scripts and dialogues are, ask people. Um, work out who's going to help you and you help them in return. Mm. Whether you talk to you know, Tom Panos, um, Josh Fee, there's some really good trainers, Lee Woodward, there's some great trainers out there. Mm. But don't wait for your boss to do it. You're running your business. Get out there and do it yourself. Mm. Invest. It's tax deductible at the end of the day. Mm. Um, my biggest challenge was, see, you got to remember, I started when we didn't have the internet. And I remember my, my boss at the time, who is my mentor, and I respect him dearly. Um, I remember him saying to me, I, I said, oh, Lou, such and such, um, should we get one of these web pages? You know, I, I think they're, they're pretty cool. You know, we get some photos. I didn't know what was going to happen with the internet. Yeah. I said, this is pretty cool. I think this is good. He says, Rick, I've seen it all. They've come, they've gone. It's just another gimmick. Mm. 32 years on, what's this thing? This, the internet drives our life, you know. But so what happened? I got my own web page. I had to get my own CRM. I had to go my own PA. you got to drive yourself. And if you're in an EBU, Show your worth at the end of the day, you know, stand out. Yeah. Um, sorry. That's okay. Um, Verbal diarrhea again. It's <laughs> okay. Uh, question from Jake. Uh, what are some processes you do to make sure your mindset is always on point? Um, keep it simple. Daily exercise. Um, as I said, I like to go in the water. People go on about these uh, ice baths. I've tried that a few times. <laughs> I hate it. So just get a leaky wetsuit. It's just as good. Um, so... How do I ensure my mindsets? Um, I now have the attitude that I do the best that I can. Um, yesterday, I did all my activities that I could. I still had some calls to make. I, I got to about 8.15 and then I've gone, you know what, I've got to shut shop now because now I've got family time. Mm. So if there's some people that got missed out on that, on, on that communication, I just simply sent them a text. Mm. And the text would have gone along the lines, I've got some very late meetings, I apologise, I'll reach out to you tomorrow. So you're still communicating. Um, I think you've got to have some me time, but um, be productive in that me time. Exercise to me has been very, very important. I'm, I'm not one of those people to lift waste seven days a week if you are, that's great. Work out what works for you. Um, but I have AM and PM and in the middle of the day, I take my hour, my hour and a half to recharge. Um, I'm now in a scenario where I have to respect that I've got other responsibilities as well. If you're in a relationship or, or family and there has to come a time where you've just simply, I don't know if anyone's got young children here, but there's, you've just got to be connected, you know, and you've got to put that aside and deal with that later in the evening. Luckily, our job allows us to 
um, mix and match when we can communicate in different ways. Uh, one thing, I'm on the iPhone and I miss being on the Samsungs. The Samsungs, you used to be able to do all your messages and then send them out at different times the next day. It was beautiful. Six o'clock yeah. in the morning, ten past six in the morning. The iPhone doesn't do that. <laughs> but um, there's many ways to communicate, use them. Um, one thing that I struggle with is possibly with all these platforms that we have to communicate, whether it's the WhatsApp, whether it's Messenger, your, your phone, your texts, your emails, it's, it can be very overwhelming. So try to have someone, if you're working with someone that's responsible for that and work out what your skills are. If you're the people person, focus on being the people's person and, and hire or try and delegate the skills that you're not good at. Mine's paperwork yep. and remembering questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, question. If there's someone on your database, you've got a client, they're not selling, but you've got their first name, last name, mobile number, address. How often do they get contacted and, and how are they contacted? Okay. So there's someone on the database. Um, not selling. Yeah, not selling. Mm. So one, you've got to be careful with the unsubscribes. Um, you know, the amount of times you send out your emails and you get these unsubscribes coming back, um, that can be... Uh, very ineffective. So I think if you've got someone in your database, try to be as specific as you can why they're in your database. So the bottom level would be if they're not selling, your touch points are going to be Easter, Christmas. If there's a religious event, we've got a lot of Jewish holidays, so we send our cast to that. If you've got their birthday, um, don't be a tight ass. Go and get a lottery ticket and a birthday card, send it out. You know, you'd be amazed what that 4 or $5 investment will give you back in terms of relationships and rapport building. Um, so each Monday we try and have someone that goes through all the birthday card, all the birthdays, um, sets them out. Um, if you don't want to do that, get them on Facebook. You get your alerts. Mm. If you still use Facebook, I still do. I'm a dinosaur. I know it's all Insta now, but uh, and TikTok, I've got to get onto that sooner or later. Um, but there are ways to communicate with people. So develop the relationship um, at minimum Christmas, Easter, a religious holiday, make contact with them, whether it's with a card or a phone call. Um, if you've got volume, then it's probably going to be an email or a card. Um, if you've got their birthday and there's no reason why you can't get, if someone's bought, bought or sold or if you've transacted, if you get a copy of their license for compliance, then you'll get all that details. Um, so you're building up your referral network at the end of the day. Um, I think it's still very, very good to have a touch point every quarter in terms of a newsletter of some sort. They've been done mm. to death, but it's just another way um, or at minimum, at least send them texts for good news. Yep. You know, if they own a property in the area and they're not selling right now, at least send them a text with your details as to what's been selling. So a, a lot of the guys here today are um, assistants, associate yep. agents. What would be your top three tips to the younger, the younger guys in the room? Okay. Uh, my top three tips as a sales associate today. Do the best that you can for the person that's paying you but start building your own personal profile at the end of the day. Um, no matter what you're doing in that, in that group, you are an asset and someone else is contributing to that asset. So you, you've got a team, um, a, a team reward system going. Um, I would talk to, I would set your own personal goals as to where you want to be in the next 12 months, the next two years. Beyond that, it's all irrelevant for me. We could all be dead. I mean, who knows, right? So try to keep it a little bit real. Um, 
If I am a sales associate, I want to grow my profile, grow my profile, use social media as much as possible. Um, let everybody know about your wins and those wins are listing, selling via social, via letterbox drops, via Texas. Um, and let your market know a little bit about yourself as well via social. You know, we, we don't all have to be certain type people, polished shoes, clean cars, you know. Let a little bit of your own personality out there into, into the marketplace. But I think the most important thing is to get, as a sales associate, brand awareness of you and market share of you. Service a small group of people really, really well. And the servicing that group of people could be your network that's referring to you, as we discussed, an accountant, a solicitor, um, your hairdresser, whatever it may be. Um, if you're part of a team, talk to the person that uh, you're part of the team with, whether you can give out referral fees. Um, we're very big on referral fees if they've got an ABN. You know, can you imagine going to a hairdresser and saying, um, if you refer me someone and listed, I'll, I'll give you 20% of the fee? Like, you just charge me 20 bucks for a haircut and I'll give you 10 grand? Like, like, but, I'm, but I'm serious. Get out there. Be known in real estate. I remember going and sitting in coffee shops. I do, I do a lot of business in coffee shops. And early on, I'd actually have my sandwich board. And my wife would say, geez, you're really corny. And i go, no, no, I'll bring it out of my car. I'll put it next to me. It's do you closed. still do that? I don't now, no. Um, but, I, but I did that for a long, long time. And I don't now as much because I do have reasonably good market share in the area. But what I do do is I do a lot of sponsorship. Mm. Um, so one of my main sponsors that, I, uh, that we contribute to is the North Bondi Surf Club. And I like that for many reasons. But they also have the Rashis mm. uh, with your name and your number on it. So I'll go somewhere and there'll be little kids running around with my Rashi on it. Wow. And I'll go, hello, you enjoying the nippers? You know, I'm that person. Yeah, you've got to be careful because, you know, <laughs> I mean, hey, don't be really, really careful. Make sure there's a parent there. Um, but what I'm trying to say to you is you get mileage. So on sponsorship, there's no point sponsoring something if you're not going to partake in it either. Don't just mm. throw money at it and not um, enjoy the benefits of being there. Um, but I, I think also get involved in, in your community if you're a sales associate. You want to be known. I always had a goal. I wanted to be better than my mentor when I was a sales associate. He's feeding me, but I'm building up my database. Mm. But don't make it too big. Don't make it too complex. Mm. Just work with a handful of good people. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit of fun. Yeah, that was a bit of fun. That's right. That was when um, – see, and that, that, thank you for raising that. Try to be a little bit creative. Like I remember – and I got shut down so many times when we didn't have copywriters and I would write an ad and my ads were horrible, but I thought they were the ant's pants because it was different, but it wasn't really real estate. Um, and I, I'd, 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 I'd put them out there and I'd get in trouble from my employer at the time, but I was trying to be a bit different. And I think when you're in a listing presentation, we've all got nice cars, we all present well, we don't have bad breath, we all smell nice, we've all got nice suits and ties. What's your point of difference? You know, and it may be your personality and how you're engaging with that person. And it may be that you did something quirky and different. Um, you know, you get, you, you, you make a sale, you put your soul by up. I mean, there's some people doing some really crazy things with that experience. More importantly, with that experience of a sale and a listing, the person that you're working with has only really done that probably once or twice in their lifetime. It's such a big moment. Make it special for them that they'll remember you later. Mm. You know, gifts are really important to me. Mm. Um, what do you do for settlement gifts? Yeah, so 
Uh, depending on the client, we, we go through phases of just doing the, fo- the photos and generic stuff. Yeah. Uh, if I know it's someone who has a specific um, uh, passion or, or hobby, um, then and that comes back to more holidays than anything else. So I might yeah. do a particular restaurant gift voucher or I just recently sent a, a box of surf wax to a client who's a mad surfer for his birthday. Cool. Um, it was sex wax, so he really liked it. He's just gone divorced. Um, <laughs> so, but, I mean, it's like toilet paper rolls, actually – be different stand out don't get in trouble don't break the law um don't get done for harassment but you've got to stand out from a very high standard of professionals and i generally people that are out there today they're not excuse my french they're not shit kickers anymore you Mm. know they're they're professionals Mm. they're switched on the what you can do with your phone today is incredible. Mm. You know, I, I barely go into the office. I go to the office usually just to check on, on something or say hello to someone or pat people on the back or drop off some Portuguese tarts or something um, and just make sure they recognise me because I, I work off my phone, mm. you know, and I've got my support people that I can call through. And I think that's what you want to get to. You want to get to the stage where if you want to be the good lister, that's all you're doing. You're outside. And by being outside, you're then also able to have some balance in your life as well rather than mm. being stuck at the office all day. Mm. Um, I get too distracted to be in an office, I must mm. confess. Mm. Yeah, I feel the same way. Mm. What would you say then, you've, it sounds like you do a lot of investing back in yourself, gifts, um, to build the brand and the, yeah. the image. But that's my brand, yeah? That's not my Rain and Horn brand. Mm. So... Your company's doing certain things for your, you and your clients. You've got to do your own stuff. You know, you've got to go, I've just sold this property two years ago. Why didn't I have their birthday details, uh, anniversary letter? Don't just send the cotton paste stuff. Send them a lottery ticket or knock on the door. You, you've got to go that little bit extra that they remember you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he sold it to us. Yeah. The most, a lot of the listings that I lose that I've sold to is just because. I've just gotten fat and lazy and expected Mm. them to come back. But you guys are sharper and quicker and faster and you're out there hunting and I'm losing business to you guys because you're on it, Mm. you know. So remember whatever experience you have in terms of a a sale, make that an amazing experience. It's corny to say keep that client for life, but you kind of need to. I mean, in in your CRM, you should be putting a five-year, ten-year plan. It's all Mm. automated. You know, and as part of that, you still have to have the human touch. Paul Langston in our office, I don't know how he does it. He's got thousands of people in his database. He calls everybody. He starts in November, starts calling everybody, wish you a good yontif, a good Jewish holiday, or a, a, a Merry Christmas. Personal. He gets a lot of business from that. Yeah. What's, um, been, what's been your best investment, would you say, yourself? For me, I'm, I'm, I used to hate going for, you know, when you used to apply for jobs, I don't know who, who has or who hasn't. I used to hate it when they go, send in your resume. Mm. Like, F that, send in your resume. You're not going to really read. Well, number one, I dropped out at year nine, so that doesn't do very well for me anyway. But I, I need to get in front of people, you know. I, I find that if I can get in front of people, I can... I'm pretty, I'm reasonably good at reading the play a little bit, whether I should just shut up um, or talk a little bit more and, and work out where my conversation is going to go. So I think I'm very big on gifts and they don't need to be expensive gifts. 
A lottery ticket, for God's sake. But rather than, it's like, you know when you chase expireds and you send out all the letters? Oh, I notice your property's expired. Go door knocker. They've received 10 letters from everybody else. Stand out. So if I was starting out today and I'm doing a deal, I, and if I was working with someone, I'd, even on the letters I'd be saying, congratulations on your exchange, on your sale. Tom, who I work for, Enrique Sarayo. Start getting mileage. Mm. Start getting your profile out there. Um, keep the people that like you long term because they're going to be the referring ones. It's mm. all about, to me, real estate is so simple. It's listing and being referred. You know, mm. The rest is fluff. Mm. Um, Brunette's asked you a question as well. Bit of a fluffy question. A but fluff. but, yeah. but um, why don't you advertise your prices? Very good. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I... I <laughs> I, I have this thing in my head where I kind of go, there's two ways to think about it. Give everybody all the information and they can decide and they'll come to you or maybe keep some of the information back. If we sell a property, generally we'll keep the information back because I want to get an inquiry. If it's an email, it could be, you know, Joe Bloggs. 007, so that's a real estate agent, right? You know, trying to find out the price at the end of the day. So I try and keep, we try and keep the information as long as, as possible so that we can get people coming to us and qualifying why they're asking about the price. Is it because they're comparing to their property or because, and they want to sell a property or are they generally a strong buyer? I still think that if we give everything away, they might just call, you know what? Here's a good question. Not a question, but a statement. Why is it that so many of these referral companies today are doing so well? Local agent finder, open agent. You know, the list goes on and on and on. I subscribe to them all. Happy to pay my 20% on the record for business that I was never going to get. More than happy. They're doing well because I, I feel that the majority of, the, of consumers we're all branded pretty much the same. Mm. And let's face it, we run good photos, good campaigns. Um, we're all out there. We're all number ones. I think there's 20 number ones in this room, I'm sure, if we work out, you know, highest price record on the northeast side of the top floor of that building. <laughs> you know, we're all setting records at the end of the day. So uh, and this is why I keep going on about getting your profile online and improving your profile online is because the consumer sometimes gets confused and they want an independent person who they don't know they're getting a referral fee from um, to tell them who's the agent to, to list with. Now, those companies are scraping the data. They're going, who's one of the, the top three busiest agents in that area? So get your profile out there. Get, get it on others, others, um, your so, peer signboard. So do you not feel like you're losing profile by not displaying the prices? It's no. not showing as a premier ad? No. My personal view um, is that there's so many you got to pick in terms of you mentioned a good point in terms of not displaying the price because you're not a premier ad on, yeah. on say realestate.com yeah, yeah. for example you know we get sold we sell a lot of bullshit and we get sold a lot of bullshit no disrespect mm. so we're all told we've got to upgrade and we've got to go with the premium plus and the this and the that and i have this discussion all the time and i go but but there's only three properties in vaucluse for sale i'm up there anyway I think that who, who asks for reviews here? I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be yeah. asking for reviews. Now, where do you start? Do, do, do you go to Rate My Agent? Do you ask for Google? Do you ask for realestate.com? 
And do you really expect your client to give you three reviews? They might do. I mean, who does surveys? I, I usually delete a lot of them. Sometimes if the person was really nice, I'll, I'll get halfway through it. So mm-hmm. reviews are, are, are crucial, but what platforms do you go on? Now, um, I, I was supporting Rate My Agent, which is, I think, a very good company. We've tapered that a little bit more because my view is I'm going now more Google and realestate.com mm. because I think the consumers are going more that way and more agents are going Rate My Agent. Mm. Um, so we, for, for I, for example, I have a standard um, email that goes out when they're when it's a good experience and hopefully most of the time it is and I confess I don't send it out to everybody um and I pay for my reviews I'll put out there that uh, an email that'll say um uh, thank you uh, we have a competition going in the company which we always do uh, at the moment if you could help support me and your review is invaluable and and as a little thank you for each of these three reviews um, I'm willing to pay $20 and if you do the three there's a $100 voucher going at Westfield's voucher going out to you and people go $100 you're Rick Soraya you don't need to do that and I go you know what I do because reviews are invaluable I'd rather spend 60 20 40 60 or 100 dollars on a review a positive review than doing a litter box drop you know because someone's going to be googling that you we google stuff when we're looking for hotels and restaurants and what have you so i, I do pay for my reviews um uh, doesn't mean that i get them all in but then and you know what people like getting something for nothing what 10 minutes I pick up a hundred bucks, that's money. It doesn't have to be a hundred dollars. I'm not saying that's the market rate. I'm not setting a, a floor here. Um, but I'm just trying to get you to think a little bit differently for the superannuation. If you're in a sales associate and trying to list properties to sell now, how are you going to get those referrals coming in later? Mm. So you need to spread your web. So no, I think keep as much information as possible. Mm. This is the other thing. Um, I'm a little bit slow these days. I'll have an auction and then I will celebrate that with my team and I'll go home to my wife and my child. The next day I'll start prospecting. My challenge is at our auctions, I've got uh, agents who are very sharp in my auction room. As soon as the result goes down, bing, out to their database. Yeah, how can I keep up with that? So you got to pick what, and that's where your your EBU comes in and, and what have you. So... And there's another thing, if you're a sales associate and if you haven't got any listings, go pinch them from your other agents. Go, if something sells in a street somewhere, well, I know you've got the underbidder. You better tell them you've got the underbidder and try and list that property. Speed is really important right now. Um, and once again, I've got off the topic. Um, so I, I think keep thinking about your profile, not just within your office, but in, in cyberspace, so to speak. Um, question from Miles. Um, do you have any weaknesses? And if so, yeah. what are they? There's a few that I can't talk about uh, in public, but in saying that in all seriousness, my, my weakness is I get very, very easily distracted. Mm. Very easily distracted. As you can see, asking a question, I get a bit involved <laughs> in the question and then I get passionate and I get talking about something else which is completely irrelevant. Yeah. So I'm easily distracted. I find I need someone to... Um, check in on me as to have you done this have you done that um i am really bad with paperwork Mm. and i just have a mental block to paperwork so i've had to hire someone to help me with that side of it um i think i'm really good with time management um i think i'm really bad with relationships from a personal point of view my 
first, second, and third wife will contest to that. Um, but, you know, there's a, a saying in my family, my Lucy, my wife who works with me, keeps saying, can you just treat me like a client? You know, don't treat me like, <laughs> like, like your wife. You give your clients so much. So I think that is a bit of a weakness because you're servicing. I find I do service my clients a lot more. Um, I'm not saying do that or don't do that, but that's just me at the end of the day. So very disorganized, um, get disrupted very, very quickly. Um, and I'm a bit uh, reactive rather than proactive. Mm. So my job often is just to put out fires. Mm. But one thing I am good at is making decisions. And they're not always the, the right decision, but I'll make a decision and I'll move on because otherwise your day just gets clogged. Mm. At running at such a high pace, how do you, how do you kind of keep it all together? Like when you're running, when, you, when you're at the peak, not, not so much now when you're working part-time as such, but let's say when you're doing those seven days, how do you kind of put it all together? Um, I think you do your best and there's always going to be fallout, whether it's in your personal life or mm. friendships or what have you. Mm. Um, I think you've got to make sacrifices too mm. at the end of the day. And um, if you have an idea of where you want to get to in the next year or two, mm. whether that's financial spiritually, health-wise. Um, unfortunately, I've been driven by fi the financial has always been my, my number one priority and it's taken me a long, long time to that not just be my number one priority, you know. Um, you know, making family and, and good people around you to be as important. Mm. Um, uh, this isn't a hurrah, hooray moment, don't get me wrong, uh, but I think that it is important to connect with people around you um, that have your back or you think they've got your back. Yeah. So um, I've kept it really, really simple. Every day, whether it's a vendor, a buyer, I've done something right, I've done something wrong, that people are at you every day. You've got to find a mechanism. Uh, for a long time early on in my career, it was alcohol, in all fairness. And as I explained, you've got to reward yourself. I'm one of those people that you had to reward yourself if you – uh, did something good and to me was making a sale or a listing and as I said for those years we we're making a shitload of sales so that meant a lot of alcohol <laughs> which meant a lot of coffee the next day and it wasn't a good formula mm. um, so I learned very so I don't drink now I don't do coffee and I'm just too scared of being out of control I don't do substances and if you do and it makes you happy good luck to you what do I care <laughs> um, do what you do do you yeah um, but be prepared for the fallout of doing you as well because yeah. the next day you've got to be on, on, on point guard, so to speak. Yeah. Can I ask a personal question on that? Was the – knowing what you know now, was the pursuit of financial success worth the sacrifices you did outside that? If you were someone like my age, would you go back and change things or would you maintain the same mentality? Yeah, see, you know, the benefit of hindsight, right? So ask me if it was a good idea at uh, 53 to start a family. And if you'd asked me that at 45, I'd go, no way, I'm going to be – I was supposed to be retired at 40. And then I was supposed to be retired at 45. And then 50, and now it's like I'm not going to retire. Type thing. <laughs> um, my attitude to life is why do I re want to retire from something that I enjoy? You know, I see so many people that have done well in business, they get to this – retirement age they're quite frail and they go into depression because they don't have hobbies i think what is important in my life at the moment is having um a purpose outside of work mm. 
to to keep going. I've got a young son at the moment, so he, in my head, psychologically, I'm going, I need to stay fit, I need to stay healthy, I need to stay mobile, because when, in 10 years' time, I'm 66, he's 13, uh, you know, I don't want to be a cripple if I can avoid it. So, in the benefit of hindsight, sure, it's easy to say, work out a balance, but who the hell knows what a balance is, you know? We're adrenaline junkies, you know? We've got egos, we, we like toys, we like to make money, and most of us are better at spending more than what we make. Um, the only, one of the few benefits of hindsight that I have is I wish I had followed some words of wisdom from a certain people that said, when you're making this money, put it away. And I thought putting it away was putting a couple of grand in the account, but the smart money today, see, where are you going to go from real estate? You know, what, what's, what's your extra strategy? Is it to own your own business and run a rent roll? I mean, most people, that's what they want to do is they go, well, I want to run a business and I'm going to have a rent roll and all my stuff are going to work for me and they're going to make me money. It's, that is not the facts. <laughs> you will make more money being a salesperson, running a small team and having a better balance of life. I can, I can assure you, um, but it also depends on you. See, to me, I go, either you go down that model and if that's your model, that's great. Um, but why don't you start buying property, buying the worst, shittiest place that you can possibly afford because in 10 years' time, that's going to be worth a lot more money. It always is. Market's coming down now, but guess what? It's going to come up again. Um, buying assets, to me, I wish I started earlier um, because it's, it's a game. It, it, it's, a, it's actually a con, you know. Try and borrow money today. They look at the income that you've got. But if you've got an asset behind you, they look at you differently. They being the banks who we all love, in particular Westpac and the ANZ and Macquarie. Um, but what happens when you've got an asset and you can get it revalued at a higher amount and pick up all this paper money to buy another asset or leverage off? Like wow. this is the game that we should be in and you guys are seeing opportunities. Mm. So to me, being a real estate agent isn't just about listing and selling. It's about how am I going to create assets and what assets I'm going to buy because I'm there. I I'm on the ground. Mm. Um, and you may not be in a position to do that, but it, uh, if I was a younger person now, I'd be going, I want to save up as much money as I can to, to buy my first asset. Yep. You know, when I started, it was a bit different. We were a lot more creative with legislation. You know, those deals you can do with vendors and, you know, silly prices on contracts and all sorts of things you could do. You can't do that now, but save money, buy asset, buy the product that you are selling. Yeah. Um, Rick, uh, last question before we wrap it up. Number one uh, advice for all of us agents here moving forward uh, into a uncertain time in the market, but moving into the, the end of the year as well, what would be a number one advice? Yeah, I, I don't know about your marketplace, but I think that our, I mean, we've got six, seven weeks before Christmas. Mm. So effectively, um, second week of December, it's la la land, everyone's switched off. Um, so I kind of go the next two to three weeks, next two weeks, three weeks is list as much as you can, get it on. Um, and if it's not going to sell, then making sure your agencies are long enough to cover you for next year. So anything you're signing up now, I would try and get a six-month settlement, a six-month agency agreement rather than 90-day agency agreement. Um, 
I would also be starting to look at days on markets of your competitors because they're going to be switching. Some of them are going to switch off early. They're not going to be as efficient as you. They're not going to be watching and trying to relist their properties. It's December 1 comes along. It's party mode. They're in la-la land. So I think focus now on what shortly on what are you going to list for next year. Mm. Start developing those relationships for what's coming on in the new year. Um I actually think it's going to be a very good year for real estate agents. You cannot get emotional about the market. We're getting emotional about the market because prices have come down. When did we become the protector of price? But because we're proud of what we do, we take that, you know, and we mm. kind of go, oh, my poor vendor, I love them so much and, uh, you know, they're getting $300,000 less. That's cheap. How do you know it's going to be $300,000 less next year? Mm. We, we don't know. No one knows at the end of the day. You know, everyone's predicting bad things to happen. Good things might actually happen. Look at the pandemic. What mm. the hell? Mm. What happened there? I mean, prices went up by 30 to 80%. Who's going to predict mm. that? You know, all I'm saying is hang in there. Stop protecting price is probably the big thing, you know. And I find I do this a lot as well because – Three properties sold in the area six months ago for this much and this is selling for $300,000 less. Have I done a bad job? No, I've done a bloody good job. I've got a buyer in a tight market which has allowed my vendor to move on at the end of the day. Don't focus on price. Now focus on relationships for listings in the new year. Um, and if you've got listings in the next few weeks, somehow get them extended so that you don't lose them over this next period. Um, look, we could cool. We can keep talking and talking and talking. And feel free to give me a call at any time. I'm really good on Texas, but as you can see, I forget questions and I have <laughs> verbal diary. So put a bit of time aside. But seriously, we are so lucky. You guys are so lucky because you've got a really good framework. You've got good people around you by what I've seen in a very short period of time. It doesn't take much to get online and look at some reviews and actually pick up the culture of a company. Um, I think my team can learn a lot of things from you guys and, and there's something that you might want to start doing is picking out some agents in different areas and start talking about what you're doing and they're doing. If you're not in your core area, no one's going to be threatened and that's just going to develop a relationship of referrals as well. Mm. Um, Christmas cards, get those out um, for clients that you've been working with, especially if you've, if you've sold them a property. Um, just try and be high touch in a different way. Don't just be the cut and paste person. Mm. Cool. So I've got one last question. Yeah, yeah. Where's the dream look like from here being at the top? I'm not at the top. Um, you know, I, there, okay. You know what? The other thing we haven't spoken about, every time there's a competition out there for, Telstra, REB, put your figures in. You know why a lot of us are getting awards? Because no one else is putting their figures in. I'm not number one in, in bloody Australia. I'm in number one for the people that put their paperwork in. Mm. You know, there are people in my core area that are making double, triple the amount of money that I am at the mm. end of the day. Mm. But they couldn't be bothered or they don't – no, it's not they couldn't be bothered. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe their culture is I'm just go under the radar and mm. that's fine. So, yes, I do reasonably well and I've done reasonably well because I think I've had a lot of luck but I do try to – I want to be the person that goes down the street and I don't have clients crossing over the street that they don't want to talk to me. 
You know, I want to walk down the street. Unfortunately or fortunately, where I live is where I do my business. So I've got to be very, very careful not to burn the person in the next street or three streets away because everybody talks at the end of the day. I've got properties at the moment where I've got certain agents that were about to list them at certain prices and I've just gone, tell it the way it is. Because although we may miss out, we may miss out on the deal right now, superannuation will kick in later and we'll get that business later. And in three occasions, we lost one listing and the other two thought, we get it. We thought you guys were pitching high on price anyway. But just be transparent with your clients. We're there to pitch business. Remember how you're going to be the different one that's going to stand out in a legal way and not in a crazy, crazy way. But don't be cut and paste. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate no it. Thank, Thank you. you. You're welcome. Nice meeting you.